some brands are legendary. In every category, someone sets the standard, and some of them even have raving fans. Join Scott Wozniak and Jack Fussell, the CEO and CMO of Swaz Consulting, on a journey of discovery. How did the legends do it? And how can you become a legendary brand too? Part of the fun of this podcast is not just telling you about what others are doing, but talking to some of the leaders who have built legendary brands, some of the greats in their categories. And this week, we have a wonderful opportunity to talk with Hugh Henderson, who is the founder and CEO of Capstone Hospice. That's right, we're talking hospice. No, that's not where most people expect us to go. But as you're going to see, even in this probably more challenging than great majority of other company types, there's some remarkable things happening here and it's not happening by accident. So a little bit of background. Hugh Henderson began his hospice career in 1992 as a counselor with a local hospice organization. After 24 years of seeing the hospice industry from all different angles, serving in various leadership positions at local, regional, national companies, Uh, Hugh decided to open Capstone Hospice in 2015 and do it right himself. So Capstone exists as a values-based company focusing on exceptional people delivering exceptional care. Hugh holds a master's degree in community counseling from Georgia State University and a bachelor's degree in educational psychology from University of Georgia. He and his wife, Karen, have been happily married for 31 years. They have three children, ages 29, 26, and 23 And when not fulfilling his lifelong passion for hospice, Hugh enjoys spending time with his family, playing tennis, and watching college football. So welcome to a wonderful conversation with one of my dear friends and a true rock star leader, Hugh Henderson. Well, welcome to the show. I am super excited today to talk to one of my longtime friends and honestly, a guy whose company I talk about a lot. So um, I'm here with Caitlin. Caitlin, welcome. Glad to have you as co-host as always. Hi there, Scott. So Good to be back. Yeah, we are hanging today with one of my buddies, Hugh Henderson. Hugh is the founder and CEO of Capstone Hospice, uh, which is not where most people expect to look for for raving fans company examples. Um, you know, I I don't I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this, Hugh, but I'm not seeing a lot of people tweet about their their amazing hospice experience. It's not like sexy and cool. Yeah. You might be surprised. Okay. Uh, okay. So we'll see. Some, that's exactly. We've got well, some Google reviews out there. And uh, see now, now this one was good. That's exactly what I'm talking to you because I would say that's true for most places. And then we get Capstone, and it's like, wait a minute, you can't, you can't have that kind of. You yeah. don't raving fans, and it's it's regulated. It's a healthcare industry, right? It's a regulated yeah. space. It's constrained. Well, and and it's like if you think about it, we don't really have. Like in traditional business, you have repeat customers. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. we're mean, not getting like the repeat yeah. customers, but word of mouth is probably like my best salesperson. That's um, that's so, so powerful. But but because it touches on so many emotions, mm. uh, just such a pivotal time in people's lives that people want to express those emotions. So so many emotions that are stirred up. So that's why you may get some. We get you know. Facebook comments, Google, stuff like that, because it's really that we say one of our part of our capstone creed, which I can talk about that more, but is the work we do makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Wait, wait, say that, say that again. This is your creed. Um, 
Say it again. The work, that was the work we do makes a difference. Huh. Um, and it's just, you know, to, a creed is kind of like, you know, for those of us who come from a faith background, you know, tradition, you know, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and all that. It's just a statement of beliefs, like what yeah. do you believe? Yeah. And so uh, that is, so we have a, a list of like 12 things that are just like, this is what we believe in this company. Hmm. And the very first one is the work we do makes a difference. And so because it does make a difference, yeah, people want to let you know what kind of difference you make. Okay. Th- we should probably pause here and dig into this because let's not assume everybody understands hospice. And we were just talking about this, getting ready. So I, seven years ago, I think is when we started working together. First time I did anything with you guys. And I had done work in healthcare, even in like nursing homes, related industry. And I'm like, Oh, I get what you're doing. And I didn't actually get what hospice was. I mean, I vaguely knew right. End of life stuff, but there's some misconceptions. Can we just pause and like, let's not assume everybody gets what you actually do and what the the role looks like. And the, right, it's, because it's different. I don't, I don't know. You know, I have a oh, hospitality yeah, so, background, but yeah, hospice is different. Maybe so, I'll give you kind of, so I've been doing this my 32nd year uh, in hospice Ooh. care. So oh, start, started when you were four. That's impressive. <laughs> you. Yes. I, I was a prodigy. Yeah, uh, right. so, <laughs> so as things have, I've seen the industry change, you know, over the decades. And when I first mm-hmm. started, you know, early nineties, people had never even heard of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'd say maybe a half to a fourth of the people that I came in contact with knew what it was or had some type of experience. Um, now I never run into anyone that hasn't heard of hospice, but the difference is if I ask 10 people what they're, what it is, I get 10 different definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so everybody's heard of, of hospice, but they all think they have an understanding of what it is. And, and very few people have an accurate understanding. So if you start with just Joe Public, if I stop someone in the street and say, hey, what? tell me what hospice is, they're going to say it's a place that you go when you have days to live and, mm-hmm. and when you have cancer. That's what most people think hospice is. Far from that. Uh, it, is, it is a concept of care. It's not a place. It's people coming to you versus you going somewhere. It's an interdisciplinary mm. team, and it's designed to be measured in months and not days. Oh, wow. So, but the, the biggest thing that we run into is that people, uh, when you hear the word hospice, people are thinking, okay, oh, mom's dying. Uh, you know, she's not dying right now. No, it, because they're thinking days. It, mm. It's not days. It's, it's, I mean, and we've had people on hospice for years before. Wow. Now that is very atypical, so I don't sure, want sure. to paint a wrong picture there. I mean, but, it, but what, what would be more typical of a length of engagement? The what the reality is, or what the ideal is? Well, that's a good. Ooh. You tell me. Good. Oh, I, I think the ideal would be somewhere in the neighborhood of three to on the low end to six months, three to six months. Okay. In fact, Medicare okay. requires us to say six months or less is the appropriate. They have okay. to have. The doctor has to feel like they have six months or less. Oh, okay. Okay. So that um, it, from a prognosis standpoint, that's the trigger is when it's six months or less. Now we bring in hospice. Correct. Correct. But, but you have roughly over half of patients do not even receive care even three weeks. 
versus mm -hmm. hunt. So, so it's still the, the battle that we've been fighting for, you know, ever since I've been in it and ever really since the beginning is having people recognize the need earlier and refer to hospice sooner. Wow. Um, and so, and the difference is a direct correlation between the longer we have to work with someone and their, their satisfaction with the outcome. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, say that. Interesting. Yeah. Unpack yeah. that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, so the longer we have to work with someone in terms of a, to, to build relationships, mm. to understand what is going on with them from a clinical standpoint, but also an emotional standpoint mm. to build those relationships with the families, to be there for them, that directly impacts the outcome, the mm. end outcome and, and people's level of satisfaction. Because what happens when we get people with 72 hours to live, which happens regularly you know, mm -hmm. yesterday, I mean, it happens all the time in our business, sometimes less than 72 hours. Hmm. Uh, one or two things happens. You, you, you are either the hero, you are walking on water hmm. right. or you're the goat <laughs> and not, uh, not the greatest of all time. I mean, yeah. I mean uh -huh. <laughs> that, as in you're the devil, you, you can't do anything right. Yeah. It goes one or two ways. And it's really the, the differences between the two. You may not be doing too much different in each one. It's just perception and where you're getting people in that trajectory where they're, yeah. if, if their nerves are so frayed and they're exhausted and, right. and coming in at a point, it, it's just, you're, it's a fire drill at the last days there, and, yeah. you, and you don't want to enter into a fire drill. Um, so what does crisis type thing? What what does creating a raving fan look like if you have those seventy two hours? Is there a possibility? What? Well, we. More about I that. mean, I I will brag on my team. Mm. An amazing, amazing, amazing job. And everybody's different. So, you know, you're you're having to quickly assess what are the needs of that individual when you come into that crisis situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is it, is it pain? Do we have enough pain medication? Do we need to get some of that out here? Is it, is it psychological? The patient's stable, but the family is just decompensating. Yeah. Do we need to get the social worker out here? Is it a spiritual issue? Do mm -hmm. I need to get the chaplain out there ASAP? So, so I really lean on those. What well, we have admissions nurses who just do the initial admission, really lean on them to come in and say, okay, Hey, what's, you assess that need and then immediately we get the right folks out there. So I'm going to just jump in and interrupt. Um, cause we're, we're here partly just to hear interesting stories and stuff, but to re refer back to how do you create raving fans with this customer experience engine? What Hugh's talking about, this is customer insight. This is the fuel that drives your engine. His customers, yeah. right, his patients, everything assumes you actually get to know the situation accurately and assess what their real needs are. And, um, and, and I love that you're, this is great insight for folks because we love to get into the tactics here, right? It's yeah. multiple levels of things you look at. Um, I would say a, a, a less mature, if you, yeah, we're just doing, we're regular customers, satisfied people. It's fine. It's just, we take care of the clinical needs, right? But you yeah. look at the physical, the psychological, the spiritual, the relational, it's this multi-layer check, check, check. What do we do here? And, and so I would say those are four layers. All of us can look at for our customers, mm -hmm. not just, Hey, did the, the product physically work or the, the service, you know, show up on mm -hmm. time, but What's the relational impact? What are they dealing with? Who else yeah. is involved around them? 
Can we help them deal with those people or even partner with the side part? Maybe you. one of the more valuable things I'm hearing you do is connect a social worker to the family and help the family. It's not even the patient, quote unquote, right? I mean, right. technically right. you could say, no, no, we're not here for those people. That's not our job. And you're like, no, that's it's a package. And so I... I think that challenge is really good for all of us to think not just what is the specific physical thing you deliver, but what are the connected pieces around it when you do your customer insight? So I, I've got a buddy who has a um, a company that provides swimming lessons. And so what, but his quote customer is not the child receiving the, the lessons. I mean, it is, yeah, but yeah. the real person is the mom. Uh, yeah, that's, that's who we're really, you yes. know, that's who he's really trying to speak to is that mm -hmm. mom. And so for in, in with us, it, yes, the, the patient is our customer. That's our number one priority, but it's that family. I mean, the, mm -hmm. that's who, that's who's going to be left with the lasting memory. And, and, and we talk about this, this might be like really in line with kind of your operational excellence and, and customer insight. One of, one of the things that I have distilled down, you know, over 30 years of doing this is I've, I've learned that that lasting memory that you leave with people is shaped largely by, by two things. We have this, we have this, um, it's written on our wall in our office and we even have buttons that say it, it's a, it says, Three plus three equals one. Um, that huh. and, and so wait, what? I know. <laughs> three plus three equals one. So, sure. so people, you have the puzzle looks, and people are uh -huh. like, "Oh, no, you obviously are not an engineer um, <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> or a mathematician." Uh -huh. um, but the one stands for that we get one shot. Okay. No do overs in this. Mm. We, we, like I said before, we don't have repeat customers. Yeah. yeah. One opportunity. You, uh -huh. and, and you are going to leave that family with one lasting impression and memory. Mm -hmm. That memory that you are going to leave that family with is going to be shaped by the two threes. Okay. And it's the first three days of service. And the last three days of service. Wow. Oh my goodness. Uh, the, 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 the plus in the middle does not mean it's not important. It is extremely important. We need to be provide excellence throughout. But I'm both. Mm -hmm. what people remember and what will shape their memory is how did you start and how did you end? And particularly, how did you end? That, that's even moments. more powerful. Right? Right. So we talk about we don't want to fumble at the goal line. If you do excellence all the way up to the end and you drop the ball at the end, uh, you, you just ruined a great drive that you started on the one yard line <laughs> and you oh. got to the other end of the field and now you can't and, and you just lost the game. Yeah. Uh, and that's so what would you say this is almost like your secret sauce of differentiating capstone from other hospice it, it, it's, it's part it's of pretty it. regulated uh, right your industry is pretty it's regulated. A very very regulated industry and so the the team members that i describe social workers chaplains mm -hmm. nurses mm -hmm. every hospice organization has to have those so those mm -hmm. are not unique we have a couple of unique positions but by and large the every hospice is going to have the same the same um team members yeah and so your differentiation becomes in the quality of the people that, that you have, um, mm -hmm. that that's where it's going to, you know, we're going to have the same people with the same credentials, uh -huh. but it's going to be like, 
what is the why of the people mm-hmm. that you have? Mm-hmm. You know, why are they doing this type of work? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really our people are a product. I mean, we don't have a product per se. Right, right. But it all comes back to the people. And, and we say, you know, our people are most valuable asset. And, um, that's, that has got to be, it's, it's, you know, the three most important things, the people, the people, the people, because that, <laughs> that's, that's where it's always going to come back to. So the secret sauce really is, I mean, finding the right people and then keeping the right people. I mean, right. Scott and I have talked a lot about oh yeah the retention is uh-huh. in my industry is, I can't achieve any of my goals without good retention. Uh, yeah, it, and, yeah. it influences everything. If you're talking top line revenue, bottom line profitability, if you're talking just um, employee engagement, mm-hmm. um, so many things, uh, and not to mention the most important thing is the quality of service that you deliver. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, Even if you replace a good person with a good person, there, there's something that gets lost in the translation and, uh-huh. and the transition between the two. And, and even with that, it is difficult. If you, if you have a lot of turnover, your quality, you cannot sustain high quality service delivery. So I, I love it. I just, about, about retention and trying to create a culture and a, and a company that is very employee centric. Yeah. And that is meaning it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. It doesn't mean, I tell people in the orientation, it doesn't mean we take a democratic vote on every decision. <laughs> that's right. it's, but when I say we're about the people, it's like, that's our priority. Yeah. I, I, I got to just like pause. That. Let me underline yeah. one thing you said, and then we'll keep going. But like, even if you replace good with good, because I think sometimes we think churn, like, oh, no, don't worry, I'm getting great people. And they're going to, uh, even even if you place good with slightly better, it's like that the very transition itself is disruptive internally and, yes. and to the people you serve. Yes. Like, yes. Um, and, and we're not perfect by any stretch. And sometimes, you know, the, the feedback, if we get a complaint, it usually has to do with, the, I, I, I was too many, too many people involved. Too many, I, I had too many nurses. And yeah, so they, in and out and in and out. And it changed up on I, me. I mean, think yeah. about just the level of intimacy at that time. That's, right. And if you're having to meet somebody new, you uh-huh. know, every three or four weeks, it's a new person that that's just going to erode a lot of all the relational collateral, you know, that you built up up yeah. to the point. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because you said how important relationships and connections are. So if you have yeah. too many people yeah. as part I mean, of the process. From a practical standpoint, it's just like, okay, well, if somebody new is coming in, okay, I got to bring them up to speed. Okay, this is what we've tried so far. This is where that we are. There's all the just clinical, just background that you got to bring them up to speed on. I mean, so I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir there, but it, it is, you know, retention is just so, is so impactful. It's impactful in every industry, but I mean, especially so in my industry. It yeah. is. So, so let's talk a little about how you do that, because as you, you just mentioned this retention is not the norm. I mean, think about how challenging I'm talking to a listener for a second. Like think about like your job is to do physically demanding stuff often, you know, moving patients and equipment around and it's emotionally draining. I mean, this is the normal retention rates are are pretty low or there's a lot of churn in the hospice industry it's just it's just baked yeah, in the challenge me. yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. hard and 
And now you add healthcare in general. Staffing is really brutal right now. And then you add like hospice might be one of the more intense categories. And so, you know, this is no offense to any dentist listening, right? But this is a different level of intensity than you don't, you don't have a, a dental emergency usually with uh, hopefully none of your patients die. Um, so, mm. so all that to say, like, how, what have you learned, Hugh? Um, Cause we, we talked about this. I remember I remember the early conversations you and I had about like how many staff I think I can handle with excellence. And I, you're, I think three or four times that size now. And I think doing a better job than you were in those early days. Like you have learned a lot in the last 15, 20 years on, since you've been building your own on how to find and keep great people. So can you give us some of these nuggets yeah. in one of the hardest categories and the hardest spaces? How do you actually do it? Well, cause you are, I I'll just say that to those listening I, again, I've got to see inside kind of behind the curtain and um, his team's remarkable. Like I would stack his team up against any other team in healthcare I've run across and I've run across a lot uh, in one of the more challenging categories in healthcare. So how did you do that? Can you give us some nuggets. Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words. Uh, very, very appreciative of just the, the every, all the, everything you said. Um, so spoiler alert, I'm not going to give you any kind of like, oh my gosh, I've never heard that before type <laughs> nugget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're, they're the basics that are common knowledge, but rarely practiced. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as we have grown, what I have found, I, I have a renewed appreciation for the importance of your mid-level managers. Hmm. Oh, because that's... they are they are the ones who are are interacting with that frontline staff more than anybody else, and so they have the huge impact. Um, and so, what we have tried to do in the early days when we had sixty patients, it was just really one team. It was just us, you know, um, I was very visible. I could influence everything as much as I needed to. Um, now we have, you know, 330 patients. Mm-hmm. And so when you're five times that size, what do we have? We, we have, we have six different patient care teams. Now I've said, okay, each team needs to run like its own mini capstone. Mm-hmm. And so if you are that, that mid-level manager is the CEO of that mini capstone. And so you've got to make sure you get the right person on board in that position. So that's one thing. I mean, making sure you've got mm-hmm. the good managers. I mean, obviously we have, we try to look at in the, in the interview process, we really kind of just go straight to, well, why hospice? You know, why do you want to do this now? If they immediately go to, well, I want a Monday through Friday job and um, I need something where I can get home by three 30 to pick up my daughter off the bus. Mm-hmm. Which are all, don't get me wrong. Those are all yeah. important. Right. But if that's your motivation for doing this, not going to be a good fit. Uh, yeah. Not, not going to be the, be here a long time. You know, another one of our, things that we say in our creed is we get paid to be inconvenienced. Yeah. Those are the people, if your motive is not because you believe in this, uh-huh. you're passionate about hospice, you're not going to be very willing to be inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, an interesting it, mind it, frame. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh-huh. what I, we sign up to be inconvenienced. Right. If you don't have that kind of mindset, you're not going to last long. So trying to look at that on the interview process, I mean, there's, there's basic practical things like uh, we have a very aggressive 
employee referral plan. You know, okay. I always say good people attract good people. And it's it's always the best source of people is your best people. Yeah, that, and it's not just you get a, a $25 Starbucks card. I mean, it's, I think, you know, what we've done now is we get a thousand bucks if oh, you wow. refer somebody to, to the company. Um, uh -huh. And so they get a hundred dollars when they start and they get $900 after 90 days. So it's backloaded that when we feel like, yes, we've got the right teammate here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So th that's a practical thing. I mean, we do, um, you know, in our benefits, we've got some little creative things that, that I do. You'll probably appreciate these, Scott. Um, yeah, come on. And if I'm boring you guys with just some, no, this is exactly <laughs> the stuff I was just thinking. So get to this level. That's when it gets valuable. This is relatable. Like, yeah. Be so, nice to your team. Sure. What do you, how, how do you actually do that? So, so one of the things that I do is we have a, what's called an OpMed benefit. Okay. So OpMed is an acronym and it stands for our people make the difference. Ah. And what that is, is you get after 90 days, because you got to, mm -hmm. you got to prove yourself, but after 90 days, you get a $75 a month allowance that can be used on one of five things, manicure, pedicure, car detailing, housekeeping, gym membership, or um, what is the fifth one? Oh, massage. Is the oh fifth. My Wait, hold on. At first, I was thinking, like, okay, you're going to give them an allowance to do something nice for your folks. No, this is for themselves. For, yeah. Well, you have yes, me at number one. Right. They have to do it for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Where's my manicure and pedicure? <laughs> yeah, Caitlin and, uh, Caitlin and I are going to have a hard Scott, conversation yeah, about Scott, SWAS benefits after this year. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't keep going. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is all, those are all like just quality of life. Okay, list those again. Cause like, seriously, okay, that's so beautiful. Manicure, pedicure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Manny Petty. Car, car detailing because they spend a lot of time in their car. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. get your car detailed, cleaned inside and out. You know, you can put it, apply it toward that housekeeping. I mean, a lot of these are working moms. I mean, yeah. they, they, oh, gosh. Time, you know, sign me up. 75 bucks won't clean your whole house these days, uh, but, but it'll, it may, but it'll, it'll make it less painful for you. Yeah. To get yeah. You, it yeah. makes you more prone to, to get somebody in there. Um, massage again, that's mm -hmm. pretty self-explanatory uh, just because of this, the stress that's involved yeah. in in a gym membership. Again, that's, mm -hmm. that's the same thing. It, it just, you know, keeping fit, um, yeah. type of thing. So the, but they have to do it for themselves. Um, they, they turn in a receipt at the end of each okay. month. Okay. Then so then they, it first. just gets added to their payroll, I guess. They, and it shows up on their paycheck. It's just okay. a lot of times that I'll med 75 bucks and then but, um, they turn in their, uh, their receipt. So that's one thing that we do. One of the things that we do that's mm. really a lot of fun um, and I actually stole this from a buddy of mine, so I can't take full credit for it. But um, hey, yeah, we, we've got a podcast. <laughs> we've got a podcast full of people who are stealing as we speak. Uh -huh. So like, let's his, do it. His name is Alf Ray. So if anybody knows Alf, that's that's <laughs> who I stole it from. But um, he um, so every work anniversary for our employees, they receive a hundred dollar bill for each year of service. And it is actually. I've seen you do this. It I've been at your annual time. meeting when you do this. It is cool. Wow. Okay. Keep going. And, Keep going. So we make a big deal. It's called the Benjamin bonus. Yes. I was just going to say. <laughs> okay. Yep. And it's a, it, it, it's one of those things to where when I put it in the uh, originally writing out the, the original employee handbook thought, uh -huh. 
not a big deal. This is never going to amount to much anything. Right. Um, because people don't stay that long in hospice, right? Well, now I got people that have been with me for seven going on eight years. And, and, I happened to, and, and today's the last day of the month in January. So I just got a list of all the people that have anniversaries yes. that are coming up in, in, in February. So I got to go get about $3,000 in $100 bills. In $100 bills. Yeah. Cause he hands them out in, you know, you know, it's big bennies. But it's a big thing, and like we we yes. tell we get everybody in here, you know, there's a lot of clapping, and then you know you make it, and and you recognize, it. and the way the the kind of the tradition has evolved of for each Benjamin, you have to say one thing you like about working here. No. I love that even more. Okay, wait, hold on a second, because here I was excited about learning about how you create raving fans from your customers, your patients, but you're actually talking about creating raving fans internally. With your well, employees. That's, that's what I see as my role. Hmm. Yes. I can't go out and touch the patients. Okay. Um, and, yeah. and so, but the way I still have a heart of service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I serve them is through my people. So it's my job is to take good care of my people because then if they're happy, you know, again, that's right. not rocket science. Everybody's heard happy, happy employees make happy customers. And we, and mm -hmm. that's one of the things in our creed too. Yeah. <laughs> but mm -hmm. Is that, and so my job is to care for them. So I vicariously care for the patients through, through the people. But if I can create a raving fan in my employees, you can imagine that's going to be a raving fan in the that, yeah, that's another down. tactic yeah. too. Uh, indirect one, right? Where you as a leader, and I think that's what's key is if you're in a leadership position, how are you working on creating raving fans internally so that they then take that excitement and that pour in of yeah. being seen, being heard, being valued, and then turn it onto the client, the guest, the patient, you know, whoever you're, you're serving. It's right. a full circle effect, right? Right. Well, we, we want to, you know, my goal has always been to marry up. People that work in hospice are, are great people. They provide a great service. And even if you work for a bad company, it's a great service. Mm -hmm. But how cool would it be if you could give people, they could be proud of the work they do, but be also proud of who they do it for. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. I mean, if you could be, you know, not only I'm proud of what the service I do, but I'm also proud of who my employer is too. Yes. That, that's, that's what powerful. we tried to tried to do from the very beginning is, is have that type of, um, you know, that type of mentality. Um, so, so Hugh, I'm, I'm interested about another topic. If I can have us go there for a minute. Yeah. So in this space, you have really interesting insight to, you know, the last moments within life. Hmm. I'm really curious, what have you found seems to matter the most in those last moments that people are experiencing? Um, that everybody wishes they would have worked more. <laughs> False. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> you yeah. pulled that off well. <laughs> in a straight face and everything. That was great. I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Yeah, that's really <laughs> the key to success. That's, that's the key yeah. to satisfaction. I knew yeah, it. Exactly. I knew it, Caitlin. Exactly. We're canceling vacations. Yeah. I'm doing it right then, is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, what people, um, I mean, it's relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's relationships with the people you love. Mm -hmm. but it's also your relationship with your creator. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it is relationships across the board. And then mm -hmm. 
be it positive or negative, that relationship issue is going to bubble up. Mm. And is it if you have broken relationships, oh, that, yeah. that's going to bubble up. And it's also going to be, you know, that's going to add, create added stress at a time that's already very stressful. Um, and likewise, if you have very strong relationships and very grounded relationships, that's going to be a source of strength. So mm. it's not happening in a vacuum either way. It is is it's going to bubble up. And so it's either going to be um, something that contributes to the chaos or it's going to be a foundational place that we can operate from and gain greater strength and 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 carry forward with. So but that's really what it, it's just it's the relationships that you had is what what becomes the most important mm -hmm. that, you know, I tell people. In orientation, I said, you know, we're talking about benefits. I said, well, listen, you know, the, the greatest fringe benefit I'm going to give you is that you are going to be able to go home every day and know that you made a difference. I mean, mm -hmm. you you're doing literally life and death work here mm -hmm. uh, and, and that you have a meaningful impact on people. And there's just very few jobs on this earth that. There's a lot where you can go home some days and say, yeah, today was a really cool day. I think I made a difference. There's very few you can go home every day and hmm. say, yeah, today I made the world better. And today, you know, I did something, you know, for those who come from a faith background. I mean, that was very honoring to God, that God was pleased. Yeah. I did something today that God that reflected positively on him and made hmm. and, and that was a good was a good thing. And so wow. that's the best benefit you can give anybody. I mean, I'm 32 years. I still, I still get, you know, goosebumps just talking about it. I mean, it mm -hmm. still, still happens. So, but the, I was going to tell you the last thing that the other benefit that we do, the, the, that was kind of fun oh, yeah. and just unheard of in, in, um, in hospice is once you've been with the company for five years, you get a three week paid sabbatical. And that's that's on top of your regular vacation. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. It's not like yeah. now you get big. You've been getting vacations all along and now we're throwing. And they, they get a lot of vacation. Trust me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. they, they, uh, but then they get the additional. And then after 10 years, it's four weeks. And after oh. uh, 15 years, it's five weeks. 20 years is five weeks. And so but this is sabbatical to go recharge your batteries. Um, wow. And that is something that. I've never known of another mm -mm. hospice agency do. Now, my managers sometimes cringe because it becomes a staffing and scheduling nightmare. <laughs> when I you imagine. have somebody that's going on a three week, you know, they're going to yeah. be out for three weeks. We got to cover that. Um, now, they, there's parameters around you can't do it like at peak times and okay, okay, yeah. that type of thing. But, um, and you have to give your manager at least like a, uh, I think we say like a three month notice. So okay. they, yeah, that months. makes sense. You can't just say, I'm taking my three weeks. Yeah, you're like I'm done. Right. I'm out tomorrow. Right. right? Yeah. right. So, so we, we, we learned to put those, but, um, okay. and, and that really was one of those things when I broke the handbook was like, this looks great on paper. I, it'll never be something I have to pay out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, who's going to make You're it to five close. years? Yeah, right. <laughs> it'll get people excited. But now, yeah, I, yeah, they'll I'm never gonna, do five years in hospice. Now uh, I got one that is. Um, she really was one of my early, 
early, but she's so she's in year eight, so she's coming up on the 10 year one. Yes. So it, it, and we've had more. I've got one of my salespeople is taking her sabbatical starting on Monday, yes, um, for her five years. So it, it's been kind of cool to see that come about and just to see I, people. And let me call this out because I, I, this small little bit you just mentioned, it's not just for your frontline clinicians who are in the patient's home dealing with everybody. You treat all the staff with this level of care. Um, so field office, everybody gets poured into everybody gets developed. That's big. Cause I, I think right. a lot of people overlook the, this, this division doesn't matter like this yeah. division. And I, I think that, yeah. Yeah. Or you have to be a certain tier or, you know, level within the organization. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You, it's just, you got to put in five years of a full-time employee and then you, you, you got it, you, you qualify. And that's the same way with the op-med stuff too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all for, mm-hmm. you know, administrative people and everybody uh, just wow. to, the only requirement is you got to be a full-time employee because it really is a team, a team aspect and um, Lone Rangers don't make it too long in our, our business because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you got to have your folks to lean on. I mean, just practically, but emotionally. And, you know, that we, we say, you know, the work we do is hard and we need to take care of each other. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's part of it too. Well, let me, let me throw one last question on. And then, um, man, this has been pages of interesting stuff I've been capturing here. Um, some of the self care we do for them. And then some of this, I, you started actually doing this work, right? I, I, your story, yeah. you, you grew up in this. And so now you built a company around it. And for the last uh, almost eight, nine years, it's been your deal and it, it's taken off. But but for, for individuals, so maybe we're, we've talked employee level. Let me just end by focusing on the individual self-care, self-management. And at the heart yeah. of that is yeah. some self-awareness. I'm going to have a lot of great conversation with you about this. Your ability to tune into what you're thinking, feeling, processing, to kind of be accurate and insightful about what's going on in your own. Because you don't make it 32 years in hospice um, if you don't pay attention to what's what you know yeah. happening. So talk to us like self-awareness. <clears throat> How important is it? What skills or, or tips have you learned as somebody who's kind of had to stay on the, the advanced level of that category to survive? Um, how do you do that so well? Uh, I'm still a work in progress. Okay. <laughs> I will tell you that. I mean, I am by no means arrived because as our company has grown, I have had to, uh, I've had to um, recreate myself over and over again. Mm. Um, and, and so part of the self-awareness is, okay, trying to step back and see, okay, now what does the company need now? I know they needed this from me back then, but what do they need from me now? And when I say work in progress, part of my self-awareness is trying to keep, and I'm sure it comes across in my, (laughs) in this uh, podcast, but just keep my emotion in check because I can get Mm. very passionate, Mm. you know, and, and like, really like, you know, I can go from a zero to a 10 very quickly if it's, if it's a patient related issue. So you slow down, you know, make sure you've got the full story before mm-hmm. you go off, you know, and, and really try to have a more measured impact. And because I'm not as frontline, so part of my self-awareness has been also because I'm not so frontline with people every day, they don't know me as well as some, some other people might. And, right. and what I'm saying is they get very small snippets of who I am. So mm-hmm. I need to 
I need to steward that very wisely mm-hmm. uh, and, and make sure that I am sending the right I- impressions. Yeah. So uh, if because you, they if don't you... have the context of being with me for so long, you know, for many hours a day, just like, right. oh, he's just having a bad day. Right. This is the only moment they might see this month is your bad moment where you. Yeah. you or also, words that I say that can mm, be misinterpreted. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I've stuck my foot in my mouth many times <laughs> and had to learn the hard way about that, of just being more measured in what I say and how I react. So that's it. it is hey, so, so let's as your click company on that. changes, your the need for self awareness grows. So I, what do I, you do in these heated moments when you feel something flaring up? How do you notice? What do you do to say to yourself to keep yourself from from calling somebody up and letting them have it before yeah. you, you kind of like? How do you actually tactically do that in these heated moments? Well, I've I've tried my best to establish a culture of transparency and honesty um, Good. and and that people can regardless of position mm-hmm. um, and so that and I've encouraged that so I have some trusted people I have a COO um, and I can go to him mm-hmm. and, and I can blow off steam <laughs> and, and he knows that's what I'm doing um, but good. I can also but 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 he's also a good checks and balances. Am I off here? Right. Yeah. And I'm asking like, Mm -hmm. you know, tell me where I'm wrong. I mean, and invite that kind of feedback. And, and that's, um, that can be hard for a lot of CEOs because your pride gets in the way, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody's going to tell me what I'm wrong, you know? I mean, and and so (laughs) you have to really part of self-awareness is maintaining that humility. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've tried to, to check in with before I really act to say, I just, I need to get your opinion on this and tell me where you're, where you're at. And, you know, if, are we in agreement that this is a big issue? Yeah. And that, that's probably what the, the best thing, having some trusted advisor, even if they're not within the company, somebody you can call up and say, Hey man, I got to talk this through to you and I need you to shoot me straight. And yeah. I, I don't want you just, you guys, a lot of us don't have very few people in our lives that will, that will be honest like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, We've got people that will just hear what we're saying and they'll agree with you. Yeah, um, no. And that's what I, most people do because they think they're being a good friend to agree. That's with. right. And I would say the higher up you go in success and your organization, your title, and in, the harder it is to find people because there's more and more pressure to like, I'll oh, just tell him what he wants to hear and be, be kind, encouraging to him. That's what, he, and it's so valuable. Um, and, and I'll just double click on this one last piece. We often think self-awareness means I got to go get in a cave and like really tune in. And and yeah, you got to stop in the journaling. I do that, all that stuff. But I think the most valuable self-awareness tool is having somebody else to process and recalibrate with. It's yeah. not a solo act. A self-awareness is really a team sport. Um, done and knowing how you impact others. Mm-hmm. I, I, that That's a key piece of self-awareness. You need to know what your impact is on other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's been a, a learning for me also. Well, well I'll just say real quick, a couple of things I took away from that, because sometimes I like to just see what's the root cause, what's behind what you just said, and you shared wonderful examples. And so if I was to repeat it back, I hear being humble, having that humility, being open to asking questions, being curious, trying to find out the whole story of things, being intentional with your words, understanding words matter and showing up in a positive light in that way, having your trusted advisor, whoever you can go to as a yeah. right hand person and um, being able to hold up a mirror 
for yourself to see how am I coming across and being mm-hmm. honest with yourself with that. Those, those were the core things I took away from what you just shared. We could have done a whole podcast episode on that. Um, <laughs> we should have started with that. Yeah, that's yes. right. That's right. Um, Hugh, I, we may have to have you back. Uh, th- this has been chock full of cool stuff. And I actually, cause I know you as a friend and got to work with you guys a little bit. I actually, there's a couple of categories we still didn't even touch that could be cool for folks, but I, I just want to pause and say, Hey, um, thank you for your time. Thank you for, for living this. This isn't a new theory you just came up with. This is what you've been doing for years. Um, if folks want to find out more about capstone now, where do you serve folks? Like if they're like, I got I want those people for my, my grandma, like, or my mom, how do I, where would they Everything find you? that you What's would want to know about hospice, about Capstone Hospice is at capstonehospice.com. Yeah. Um, and so then you're going to find our creed there. There's a map of our service area. There's a there's a list of what makes someone appropriate for hospice. If you're thinking, yeah. Man, you know, I never considered that, but maybe mom would qualify. I mean, there's, there's that kind of like clinical stuff. There's every resource that you could ever imagine is there and there's also a, a, a link you can just you can contact us via email and somebody get right back in touch with you too so um i'm just capstonehospice.com is the best way to do it man always fun hanging with you um fun uh profound practical all the good stuff man well, thanks, thanks for fun. making my day you can tell i get kind of excited about this stuff uh, but and, and and really scott did not tell me to say this ahead of time so i hope you don't edit this part out but thank you for your book um mm-hmm. making your brand legendary um I mentioned, you know, before we started recording that I'm going to have my leadership team go through the operational excellence chapter, just so much involved there. So thank you for, you're doing the same thing. You're living this stuff out every day. You always have, you never change. I mean, from the the 10 years I've known you as I mean, so thank you for doing that as well. Congratulations on your success. Yeah, back at you, buddy. A lot of success too. So congratulations. Well, you know, if you do the right things long enough, it works. The engine builds and, and you get to make, which is really exciting. That's it. And I think what's exciting for both of us is to see the lives we get to impact. Now, one of the cool byproducts of that is a bigger company and more resources and all that fun stuff. But it, I mean, this is how we make the world a better place. So glad you were showing up uh, tactically very differently than I am in terms of what we provide our clients, but man, it feels like this is the same mission just lived out in a different setting. So it is. I firmly believe that. We'll love you, brother. We'll be in touch, uh, hanging out. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for spending some time with us on your journey to legendary. If you enjoyed this episode and want more content like this, you may want to sign up for our newsletter. You can do that and learn about all the ways we are helping leaders build legendary brands at swazconsulting.com. That's www.swozconsulting.com. Greatness is possible. You just have to build the right engine.